and welcome to episode 98 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I are snapping and rolling as we look at some new games and a polished up iOS classic. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. I mean, really, shout out to bringing old games back from the past. I mean, it's amazing you can have nostalgia from the App Store. It's amazing it's been around long enough to create nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, we're hitting like 11 years on some of this stuff. So, yeah, I, I it really made me want to go back and play a lot of other titles that I miss from the early, early days of the App Store. Yep. And, you know, this kind of works into our Apple News of the Week. And it's the future of iTunes breakup. And so Steve Trout and Smith found some code like he always does in the latest version of uh, Mac OS 10.15. And it hints that Apple's looking to extract podcasts and music and movies, you know, into their own standalone things. I think the idea is that with Apple TV Plus and the new Apple TV app, there's going to be a TV app on your Mac, and so they're going to put everything related to TV and movies from iTunes right into that. And then, well, we don't really need iTunes just for music and books and podcasts, and so there's already iBooks on the Mac, so that makes sense. And then iTunes Music, you have Apple Music, so instead of you know having iTunes have everything, it just is essentially your home to Apple Music, and then there's a standalone podcast app that syncs up with the iOS app, and it just really does make sense. Yeah, I mean, they've already been stripping out, like, the app portion in iTunes as well, uh, and you used to be able to purchase iOS apps from it, and they removed that. You can't even install that crippled version of iTunes anymore. They used to still allow you to do that, and so it kind of makes sense to just almost just eliminate iTunes and really have it, it's outlived its usefulness at this point, where they start to have all these separate apps, and... Just put the content where you would go to to view that content. Why not have it all right there? Yeah, it just makes sense no matter how you slice it. iTunes should just be Apple Music. I mean, it's $10 a month. It is filled with features. They have, you know, millions of different subscribers. So it makes sense to have that all that you need right within iTunes and then put everything everywhere else. Just because I think TV is their big thing. Like, you know, we talked about the bundle idea, but TV's their big push. You know, news is like an accent to TV. Apple Arcade is another kind of enticing point. And Apple Music is always going to have kind of that history of Apple. That's really what got them back into being relevant with iTunes and the iPod and all that good stuff. So that's always going to be there. But TV is their big marketing push, their big monetary investment. So once it kind of is extracted from iTunes, it really is nothing more than music. Right, and it becomes, just kind of becomes confusing at this point where, where do I go to get this? Oh, I got to go to this place to buy the content, then this place to consume the content. And it just unless you're going to make it a web-based store that you can just quickly go to, it really doesn't make sense to have yet another app that you have to have installed and, and fiddle with. Just kind of put it, you know this is the content you want to view or listen to or whatever, go to that app, and that's how you can get that content. Yeah, so let's hope it happens. Mac OS 10.15, whatever California name they give it at WWDC <laughs> 2019. Yeah, you'll be predicting that soon. Right. Yeah, June's coming up pretty quick, actually. I know, it's flying. It, this time is really going by quickly. 
Yep. And so I guess kind of on the flip side of what Apple's doing with TV is kind of causing problems within the industry. And Netflix is the one that's taking a stand. So first off, we found out that the new Apple TV app, which lets you, you know, connect multiple different sources and jump between apps and all that good stuff. You can see what's playing on Hulu and local TV and Amazon Prime. Netflix not going to be part of that. And now, taking it a step further, this past week, Netflix deactivated AirPlay within their app. So they claim technical limitations. Spokespeople from Netflix then kind of bounced off that and said that we want to have a consistent viewing experience. And with AirPlay 2 being compatible with Panasonic and Sharp TVs, we can't maintain that Netflix standard experience. So that's really the reason they're doing it. But we know what the reason is. It's because Apple's launching their own TV Plus service, and it's a shot right across the bow of Netflix's only business. You know, this is a small part of Apple. This is all that Netflix does. Yeah, I mean, I don't really use Netflix that way. I always just go to the app, but it seems like a bogus story for them to feed you this line. Like, is anyone really buying it? Oh, we want to make sure it's the best possible viewing experience, and we're not going to support that if we don't know that it's a the the best possible device that you're using when you're using AirPlay. No, you're just saying this as a, an excuse for doing it. You're unhappy with Apple. You don't want to deal with their streaming service as a competitor. So you're pulling your content and, or at least this way to view the content and just, just be upright and honest about it. Don't make up some BS story that no one's buying. Uh, just say it like it is. And uh, you don't want to support that. That's all you have to say. Yeah, especially with uh, Netflix's pricing increase coming in May, even for grandfathered in plans. So I think that ten ninety nine becomes twelve ninety nine, and the thirteen ninety nine for four K becomes fifteen ninety nine. So I mean, they pump in billions of dollars, like four billion last year. They create a ton of original program. I'm not arguing with their price point, but. I see why when you put so much in, you want to make it fully where you control everything. But with that said, the Xbox or yeah, the Xbox version of the Netflix app isn't that great. The Apple TV version of the Netflix app isn't that great. It's much better on the iPad or the iPhone, but their apps are very inconsistent across different platforms. So it's such a weird reason we want our experience to remain consistent. It already isn't, you know, it's already inconsistent regardless or depending on what platform you're using Netflix. Right. Yeah. If they're going to say this line, it should be the exact same experience every single device you're viewing it on. And it's not. It's obviously slightly different. It, it All these were developed at different times and brought over at different times. Really, if they're going to say this now, they need to revamp all the experiences to have them completely universal, absolutely identical across every device if that's really your reasoning. Yeah, and if you're not going to rely on Apple to kind of search through your content and create connections for users, then you're going to have to do something like that. Because right now, Netflix pushes their originals. When you go to your viewing panel, you get to see my list, which are things you purposely saved. And then the next section, at least for me, is popular on Netflix. And they're all their originals, you know, whether they're popular or not. It's a whole list of their originals. And conveniently enough, they're very recent originals released over the past three to six months. And you have there's no way to kind of unearth great content. It's kind of like the App Store, where it's just a 
pretty much cluster problem of all this content, no easy way to access it and search it, especially if it's back catalog stuff. New catalog stuff is effortless to find, but back catalog stuff is very difficult. And Netflix doesn't want to partner with anyone to improve the search, so they better kind of work on that themselves because unless you manually know what you want to look for, you're not going to really have much discoverability. See, that's good to know because I tend to only watch mostly their original content and new stuff on Netflix anyways. So I figured that's why I was getting shown a lot of this stuff because that's the stuff I tend to watch. I don't tend to go back and watch a lot of old stuff on there. I don't have time. I'm barely keeping up with new stuff. So it's good to know that uh, it's not just because I'm watching new stuff that I'm seeing new stuff that you who watches a lot of other older stuff as well, uh, you're seeing mostly the new content get pushed as well. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I understand why this is what they put money into, but those old original programming ones they made or maybe ones that weren't received as well, those are buried. I have to go online and be like, best Netflix series of all time. And, you know, there's various sites that rank them. And you're like, oh, I, I forgot this show came out two years ago. I wonder if, you know, it's still on Netflix because I never see it anymore. But then you have to manually add it to your list just to be reminded about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Netflix is doing. If you like to use an AirPlay to send to your TV for some unknown reason, you don't have the Netflix app on your smart TV or you don't have an Apple TV. I don't know, even know the scenario you would use AirPlay, but it no longer does work. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's just if you want to search on your iPad, you're already on your iPad and then just use that to then feed the content to your TV. But mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, one other thing I just wanted to mention that's sort of newsworthy, not necessarily Apple, but uh, because Kingdom Rush is such a huge tower defense game series on iOS and one that we love. Uh, I, I know I love it. I'm, I'm pretty sure you love it, too. It's yeah. probably the best. It's easily my favorite tower defense uh, series on iOS. Well, Lucky Duck Games, who have brought a number of other iOS mobile game properties to the tabletop in like board game form. They brought Vikings Gone Wild, uh, Zombie Tsunami, a couple of half brick games with Fruit Ninja and Jetpack Joyride. And then also they brought like their own like award winning app assisted crime solving board game where they use like VR uh, and it's called Chronicles of Crime. Well, now they, today they just launched a Kickstarter where they're bringing a form of Kingdom Rush uh, to the tabletop. And it's going to be a new game called Kingdom Rush Rift in Time. And it's uh, and it just launched today. You can back it for as little as $59 or $79 for the special edition. And it ships in April 2020. So it's going to take a while to get here. But they've already hit almost 700% of their $20,000 funding goal in less than a day. So this is going to be big and popular. Uh, so definitely if it's something that might interest you, go ahead, check out the, the Kickstarter campaign page and uh, see if you want to back it and see what it's all about. Sounds good. Definitely worth noting. And so then there's, of course, brand new games available on the App Store. And just last week, Brett was at PAX East, and he was talking about photographs, and now it's available on the App Store for everyone to try. And it comes from the makers of 10 million, and You Must Build a Boat. And those were both kind of puzzle, kind of matching-based games. So this is definitely a diversion where it's more story-based. It's almost entirely just story. It's almost like these little 
freeze frame based TV shows, essentially, where you get to follow the story and unearth the details of these characters through these little mini games where the mini games are kind of like bite sized puzzles. And there's five different stories, five different characters to dive through. You take snapshots of the environment and that opens up a specific mini game. And then within a contextual level, it's going to get more difficult based on that core mechanic. And then you'll go to a different character, a different story, and it's a different game. But then it builds up the difficulty in the same regard. And again, it's just five main stories that focus on simple puzzles. And it's more about storytelling. Yeah. And what the the cool thing he does with those puzzles, these, these are familiar puzzle types that you've done before. There's like one where you're moving two characters at the same time and they each have to reach a destination. One where you're kind of drawing paths, one that's almost like a puzzle fitting puzzle pieces, one where you're doing almost matching and combining of objects. And I forget what the last one was. It was another uh, sliding, I think, of some sort. But uh the cool thing about it is the puzzles themselves, they almost convey some of the emotion of the story as it unfolds. So things are happening in the arrangement of the puzzles and things in the puzzles themselves kind of also convey the whole emotion because these are really emotional, a little depressing at times, really deep stories, uh, well, deep content uh, stories. And... They uh, and it's interesting how he's blended the puzzle, which is a common puzzle mechanic, and put it kind of with the story to help kind of build that emotion up. And it just was a very different experience, something unlike that I've played on the App Store before. You either tend to play a puzzle game or you play a, a whole fully story game. And this kind of melds the two together into a, a one like three hour experience. You know, these stories get relatively dark. I mean, it's almost Black Mirror-esque. And it's not technology-based, but each one seems to turn with a depressing ending that kind of sets, like, regret slash kind of a moral building for the person who's playing the game. But the character in doesn't get any morals at all. They've already played out their storyline. They made terrible decisions and they have to deal with the consequences. And you're just left when it's time for them to deal with the consequences. So definitely before you get into this game, these are depressing, dark narratives. It's, these aren't bright, happy. Oh, look, everything turned out fine. This is super great. <laughs> so just keep that in mind because they're really compelling stories. You'll want to go through each of these little puzzle games to find out the conclusion of the story because they only give you a few little lines of dialogue at a time and you just want to kind of see the resolution of the given story but keep that in mind before you dive in because once you get in you'll want to play through all five stories for sure yeah and if we're being really vague it's because we don't want to ruin the the storyline because they do have some twists to them and you think it's going one way and then it kind of zigs and zags and goes a different way Maybe worse than you thought it was going to be, but maybe about what you thought it was going to be. Uh, and it, so it just kind of pulls you in because you you want to know what happens to these characters. And they're only little like 30 minute stories, but there's enough in there that it really kind of keeps you interested and wanting to find out what happens. And as I mentioned last week, that whole the photograph element of it is in between each of these segments where the story continues, they'll you'll pan out and you'll see like the whole 
place where this story is happening. And then if you tap on the screen, you get like this little, it kind of almost zooms in and you, it's like your camera's viewfinder and you're trying to find the, where to take the picture it wants you to take. And it gives you a little caption that you would write on this Polaroid picture. And then you have to figure out what portion of the scenery is relevant to that little caption. So you got to figure out where you need to drag and then it'll circle that section and take the photo and then the story will continue. Yep, that's a good additional note. And really, photographs, if you like any of those kind of story-based games in the App Store, whether it's more complex story or simple story, you're going to just really enjoy everything that the game has to offer. Because it's a slow burn, but it still keeps you constantly compelled with the puzzle games. Yeah, yeah, and they get difficult at times. Mm-hmm. There are a few of the yeah. puzzles that, that really challenged me. Like, I almost had to step away, think about it, and then come back. And Because they do get harder and harder as you progress through each of the stories. Like they'll, They teach you the, mecha- the base mechanics, and then they start to twist those and make them a little more complex uh, for each one. So each one kind of builds on its own. Yep. So that's photographs. It's three ninety nine and it's universal. And then, as we started at the top of the show, Rolando is being re-released. So this game launched back in two thousand eight, right around when the App Store started. And here we are, eleven years later, and they've Hand Circus, the developers, have redesigned the entire game, every single pixel, every single bit of code, to make it for today's devices. All the hardware advancements and just really improve the overall experience. If you never played the game, never heard of the game, it's a tilt-based platformer where you get to control these little ball characters, all these little circles on screen have cute little faces, all different designs, and you just tilt to roll them back and forth, and then you swipe up to jump, and within a given level, you want to collect all the gems, make sure you gather all the different Rolando characters and get to the exit point, and do it in a certain time limit. And it's just an amazing experience. When it came out in 2008, it's one of my favorite iOS games of all time. It really has withstood the test of time when you go and play this new version. So the old version, you can see from the old screenshots, you know, they're 480 by 320. It definitely looks long in the tooth. There's not too many details. And now you go and play this new one and they fleshed out the environments, the background art, and it just looks absolutely beautiful on iPhone XS or iPad Pro, and just it's great to see it come back and hopefully get to an audience that has never even heard of it before. Yeah, I mean, this looks gorgeous now. I remember getting this game way back when Starbucks first started their whole uh, free game, those little cards you got in the store, and then you scan the back, or, or you actually had yeah, to type it in. Program. I don't think you even scanned it in. And that's how I got the original game for free. And... I remember like, wow, this thing is amazing. Like it was so creative and inventive and it really holds up now that the, and it looks so much better than it ever did before. And it's just like the puzzles of it are interesting. But then if you try to hit those time goals and get it within the time, you really have to get your Rolandos together and really kind of nail this thing as fast as you can. Otherwise, you can kind of stumble through the levels and take your time, 
But if you want to hit those time goals as well, you you have to practice and you're going to have to redo these levels multiple times. And then you start to learn where the things are that you need to pick up. Or maybe the first time through you pick up the gems, second time through you go for time. And so but it is does feel a little awkward at first, only because it's been a while since I played a, a tilt game like i tend to play touch games or i play games with physical buttons it's been a while since i've had a full-on tilt game and so it did take me a little bit to get used to it. and then in fact on the ipad i found it more awkward and then i switched mm-hmm. to my phone and i thought it was much easier to do with the phone just because it just felt more natural having this smaller device to be tilting with but it it is so much fun, and I forgot how much I love this game because it's been probably about ten years since I played it. Yeah, that's definitely a good note. I played on the iPad too, and it's much easier to play on the phone, much more enjoyable because you're not you know tilting that big, especially that twelve point nine inch iPad. That's not a very fun activity, <laughs> and it's really a fun reminder that how much the app store has changed because tilt was like the big hot thing. And like you said, it's tough to find tilt games available on the app store. And even if like a racing game gives you tilt controls, sometimes you pick those arrows instead just because you don't want to bother tilting or you're playing on the iPad. So just to go back and just be a pure tilt experience, some people are turned off from that instantly and won't even give it a chance, but please don't be one of those people fire up this game try it and i'm sure you'll fall in love with it because there's so much tlc put into everything there's just so much charm and polish all the little rolando characters have their own unique personality there's a little bit of dialogue you even meet the king and you have, he's always sleeping you have to push him around with the other little rolando and you're gonna have the whole journey travel through different locations all that classic platformer ideas but in a rolling tilt based exp- way yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much character they can get from little balls with faces on them. And like like you said, the king is asleep, and you have to roll him in between ones to get him to go where he needs. There's also the prince who's going like nuts, and he just kind of wants to go on his own. Yeah. Now you have to have two people to try to keep him contained, because he's off the hook and just moving around. And so you kind of have to keep him contained. And I really hope this does well, because there is so much back catalog of games that started on iOS that if they had a little bit of love and a little bit of updating, they could do really well on like a modern iOS device and with a modern audience. I really think a lot of these could come back. And there's companies like Game Club, which just started up, which is working on bringing back a lot of these classic iOS games, bringing them back. It started making me think of what are some other ones I really love that I wish would come back. And a couple that immediately came to mind were Time Loop from Connect to Media. Do you remember that one? It was like a puzzle game where you kept on playing with time and you replayed sections that was amazing. And the Mirror's Edge game from EA, like, I think that's like a pie-in-the-sky dream. Like, I don't think EA's ever ran back these iOS games. But just trying to think back, there were so many great games that just need to come back. And I think they would be better than half the shovelware that gets pushed out nowadays if they would just bring this stuff back. I love that you said shovelware. That was great. But... Uh... <laughs> Dizzy Bee comes to mind for me. That oh, game Dizzy Bee, yes. Ab- talk about a tilt-based game that just nailed the platform. 
Yeah, yeah. I know it made me go and reinstall a bunch of stuff that I had on on the uh, that I hadn't played in a while. Like I installed both of the '88 uh, games. I did 10 million, and you must build a boat. I went back and started playing those again. It, there's so much good stuff that was out that uh, it's just worth revisiting your old purchased catalog. Yeah, Apple could set up Apple Arcade just with all the games from the past redone for today, and you wouldn't even need to release any brand new games for it. You would have tens of thousands of awesome games. Right, they just couldn't be on Android as well. That's the problem. Yeah, well, a lot of these games don't even work on modern devices. You can't even True. download them from the App Store, and some of these developers gave up on their developer license because they could never make it in that whole paid idea and the switch to free to play. And Rolando's the one that kind of sticks out the most because the first one came out when the app store started. And then as hand circus was working on the sequel, they were acquired or they started working with Injimoko. And if that company isn't familiar to you, they're the ones that started that free to play push. When Apple decided that they would offer in-app purchases in the app store and you could set up free to play in Jamoko, they released Eliminate and We Rule and Godfinger and all these free to play little experience games. And Rolando, too, kind of sat on the back burner for a while because they tried to balance and figure it out. And then they released it. And I think it was, you know, the unlockable level pack idea where spend one time and you unlock the full game because they experimented with that. And people have never really embrace that style of in-app purchase for whatever reason and so Rolando 2 it was an amazing game it was way better than the original just because they built out the world and introduced all new kinds of Rolandos but that game was the last one of the series and then Hand Circus continued working with Njimoko and they released Seabeard and that game was like a free-to-play version of Animal Crossing, super simplistic version of Animal Crossing. It never got going because there was all these kind of hurry-up-and-wait timer mechanics, and it struggled. And we haven't heard from Hand Circus since then. And that was definitely sad because they were such a standout when the App Store started. So to see him come and bring Rolando back, hopefully more developers who were acquired by these big companies that then ended up failing because Njimoko got bought by Gree and then Gree barely even touches iOS or they release really bland, boring, free-to-play games. So just to have that kind of idea of the past potentially working, like you said, hopefully it does well. Other developers from the past who maybe got their IPs acquired or they worked with companies and those licensing deals expired, bring them back and hopefully we get some attention for them. Yeah, because when Rolando first released, it was $10 on the App Store. And I don't remember how much Rolando 2 was for that that purchase. Uh, maybe I'm hoping Rolando 2 comes also. Like, yeah. if Rolando as well, hopefully we'll see a Rolando 2 come out as well. Uh, and it just, it's sad what happened to the App Store because people weren't, at first people were willing to spend money on these apps. And then these big companies came in and really did this push with the free-to-play and all these little microtransactions, and then the made these fun, larger experiences just seem to mostly go away. And it's great to see them starting to come back. I mean, you notice they probably put a ton of work into redoing this, re-putting it out, getting it all ready, and it's they're selling it for less than they originally sold it when it first launched on the App Store. So it's... Uh, 
I, it's kind of sad to see them that they need to drop the price, but I think at $2.99, I think this will sell well. It looks like a modern title. People that, that loved it will want to play it again. People that haven't played it will see this and say, hey, that's really cool. It's only possibly that tilt controls that's going to annoy some percentage of people just because we've kind of gone away from that and to see people hopefully will embrace it and and take it back yep rolando don't be one of those people that doesn't give it a chance because it tilt controls or that's from the past give it brand new fresh eyes give it a chance it'll be well worth the investment and opportunity because it's absolutely amazing yep agreed and then there's Booster Raiders, which comes from Half Brick, who they were a company at the start of the App Store, which absolutely was one of the early success stories with Fruit Ninja. And then we got Jetpack Joyride and Monster Dash, and they just had some really good stuff. And then some of their creative team went and started their own thing. And recently they've been releasing kind of forgettable free-to-play games and booster raiders takes their back catalog of characters like you see barry steak fries is in it and kind of gives you a familiar speed run idea so there's a lot of these style games of just a speed run where there's four characters on screen you have like an attack button that recharges over time and a boost and you go through these crazy courses and try to finish in first and this doesn't really change that formula it changes the characters it changes how they've included the upgrades in free-to-play. But the core idea, if you've played Mario Kart, that's kind of what you're dealing with. Just your character's running, he's not driving a cart. Yeah, see, I like these kind of games. These are the type of things that I'll play for a short period of time, and then I'll kind of get bored with them and find another one. And we've seen a number of these throughout the life of the App Store. I love the fact that I'm seeing all these characters from the Half Brick Stables come back, even the Rascals from... Uh, I had that game on the 360. And just, uh, it's fun to just kind of go in there. I, I think these are the types that are, are more fun if you have a lot of friends that are playing as well, because one of the early games in the App Store I really enjoyed was Clift. And that came from... I. Uh, you go, uh, you go. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And but that was a vertical. So everyone's like dropping as quickly as they can, trying to race down. And you're trying to basically force your friends off the screen. And this is kind of a similar setup, except you're going left and right. Tiny Build just recently released their uh, their port iOS port of speedrunners, which I have on the 360. I believe it's out on the Switch and a bunch of other consoles and PC platforms. And it's that same style where you're just kind of either looping around trying to be the first to complete uh, X number of loops, or it's sort of endless where there's something that's going to take out the slowest person over time. And then eventually you still you want to be the last person running. So you're constantly fighting to stay in the lead so that you're not the guy that gets sucked up by the alien ship or some other thing that causes the last person to get to booted from the race. So I think it's fun. I, I didn't notice anything uh, overwhelmingly bad with the in-app purchase stuff. Yeah, there were upgrades. I didn't notice that I I actually did fairly well in all my races. I didn't notice like someone being so upgraded that they were so much faster that you couldn't keep up with them that it was not even fun. Maybe I was that guy because I seemed to win a lot of my races. But <laughs> uh, it was 
I, I it felt fairly balanced and it was just kind of fun to go through those locations and have those characters in this little very quick playing game and it's the type of thing you just hop in hop out and getting online was pretty quick i did have a one match that was lost the wi-fi connection and then it regained it i was still somehow in the lead uh but uh otherwise it, it's worth kind of checking out if you're a fan of their games but don't expect anything too deep yeah so fun run is probably the most popular in the genre they have like hundreds of millions of players back in like 2016 2015 even they were the hot thing before Candy Crush and Clash of Clans came on the scene. They were like the online hot game. Before all those .io games that are super popular these days, there was Fun Run. And it's the same idea where you can attack your opponents, you try to beat them to the finish line, and there's crazy courses with various kind of obstacles you have to deal with, regardless of the other players. And Booster Raiders, it nails that style. It's not like necessarily bad that there's a lot of similar games like it, but I, I just don't know the longevity of it. But it's free to download. There's no reason not to give it a try. And if you are familiar with Monster Dash or Jetpack Joyride, there's going to be familiarity, just like Rascals, like you said. And really, I liked having just the fun nature of it where right at the last second, you're kind of in a pack and you have that shotgun blast. You press it at the wrong, right second, you boost right to the finish line and you win by milliseconds and you you know, it's almost kind of like classic Mario Kart idea of winning right at the last second. Right, and I liked how each of the characters had their own thematic kind of weapons and things mm -hmm. that worked with their whatever their character happened to be. Yep. And so that's Booster Raiders. Again, it's free, it's universal. And then there's Marginalia Hero, which comes from Crescent Moon Games. They published it, and it takes kind of the classic Greek art style and turns it into a game. And so at first glance, I'm like, okay, that kind of sets up as a cool maybe RPG because we're thinking Crescent Moon or maybe some action adventure. And then you dive into the game and it's more quick action arcade game. And actually it's kind of just like those pop the lock games where the dial spins 360 degrees and it goes, rotates back and forth counterclockwise, clockwise, and you have to press the button to stop it at certain points and as you go it's more and more of this pop the lock game and it doesn't change it doesn't shift like as you pop the lock it's does these various attacks to different enemies and there's this neat art style but the gameplay mechanic is as simple and commonplace as out there yeah, I, I really love the art. And then I was hoping for much more. I thought we were going to get like real battles and stuff. And then it just kept on being more and more of this, like, like you said, the pop the lock. To me, it reminds me of like sitting there with my hand on, not that I ever do this, but sitting my hand on a table and banging the knife between my fingers. Like <laughs> it, it really didn't seem to do anything. Like it, I don't know. To me, I wish it was a lot more inventive or some kind of battling like you can even upgrade your club and and i don't know what that even did like you can update upgrade weapons and things but it still seemed to be i had to keep on tapping on spots it didn't seem like i beat anyone any faster when i upgrade my weapons in fact i just got more and more times i had to hit to beat 
each person. So I, I was confused by the upgrade, the weapon upgrades. I was confused by if it was ever going to change or if it was just going to be getting longer and longer and longer as I go, which to me that interests me even less. Like if I if I sat through 15, I don't want to sit through and now have to do the same thing 20 times. I want it to change. I want something different. And right. I am i don't know. I, I guess maybe I didn't play enough to, to see if there's anything more to it, but I played a decent amount that I felt like it wasn't going to change. No, it, I don't think it does. I It's like last week we were playing some games where you put more time in them when you wanted it to just because you're hoping that it changes as you go and it doesn't. And I think that's even more disappointing because, again, this style, it's a really popular game on the App Store that created its own genre because it's so popular. But then they make like arcade version of Dave and Buster's of that pop the lock style and putting a great looking face or skin on that style doesn't excite me. Right. Yeah, I was more disappointed that they have this great art and it seems almost wasted, like they could have come up with an awesome even dungeon crawling game or or a roguelike with this art and these characters. And I just felt like it was kind of wasted on this style of game. Yep. So that's Marginalia Hero. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Oko. So it's just OCO and it's a quick action platformer game where you control this little square and the entire level is this like little circular infrastructure that's available on screen. There's no side scrolling idea. And you simply tap on the screen to jump and you want to make it through this little circular maze to collect all the golden coins. And the quicker you do it, the better you're going to be towards their three star scoring system. Yeah, so there's uh, there's three things you can get. You can get it based on reaching a certain finishing in a certain uh, time, the least number of taps or a, a X meeting some tap goal or less, and then just finishing the level by getting all the coins. And there's apparently a built in editor where you can make your own levels. This one actually kept me more entertained than uh, I'm not even going to be able to say the name Marginalia Hero, uh, just because it did kind of change up. There were different things. So there might the introduced uh, levels where now there was this thing that could jump you super high. And then one where if you went onto this certain platform, it would start to speed you up and that would get you enough speed to jump to a higher level and so this one actually built and changed as you went and i was i am definitely interested in playing through more of the levels it's the type of thing where you can play through a level within 10 seconds 15 seconds or less and so you'll probably go through the 135 levels fairly quickly but they do have that way that you can build your own levels and i guess you can challenge friends to to try them as well i i haven't tried that yet but if you're looking for something to to waste a little time in line this may be more compelling uh a choice i couldn't get into this game at all i hope my introduction showed the lack of excitement i have for this one <laughs> it reminded me of glitch run from last week where it's just so simplistic you're playing through the levels and you're like, I don't even know why I'm wasting my time playing this game. And that that's not going to fly for attention on my device or giving it a good idea, good review here on the podcast. This one just I don't think it's worth anybody's time. There's this better one experiences. is. This one is like stellar compared to Glitch Run. Glitch Run was so bad. This one, at least 
it they At did something to change one, though, things you up. Had three choices though. You could swipe up, swipe down, or tap to boost. This one is just tap. Right, but they change up the platforms, change up the the speed run, the little fast things, the the things that jump. So you kind of have to figure out the level of how to reach those different zones. If you're trying to get within that ta- number of taps, you got to figure out the correct direction to be going. Because if you bounce on a wall, you'll change the rotation of the level to go in the opposite direction. So then you have to figure out which way you need to address the level in order to get those number of taps. It's all if you're playing for those three stars. I think. That's where this becomes interesting. If you're just doing it uh, mindlessly, then you might as well be playing any mindless game. But compared I think they're both to... garbage. No, well, I, I I'm not saying I this is like a garbage. stellar game. I'm just <laughs> saying this isn't so incredibly awful it, that it did keep my attention. Yeah, OK, I, I can see that. But for me, I would skip Oko, Glitch Run, Marginalia Hero, probably Booster Raiders too. I know they're all free, but just $3, (laughs) pick up Rolando, man. And if you got $4, try photographs and just hope that more games of that quality come out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think that's it for everything for episode 98. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.